brand is all about sales. It's not about looking pretty. It's not about trying to look your best, like, oh, look at how flashy I am. Not at all. Brand is about one thing and one thing only, provocation. This episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast is sponsored by our referrable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20-minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gordon, and today we have got an amazing interview for you. I'm talking with Kate DeLeo. She is the chief brand architect with brand strategy firm Ennoble, and she's a pragmatist who believes that brand is the path of least resistance to revenue, and she's passionate about helping organizations create really compelling common ground with their customers. And uh, I'm excited to kind of dive into that and unpack it. She's got a proprietary process that really quickly and effectively helps her clients articulate who they are, why they're different, and how to solve their customers' problems. And she's able to do it all in three or four weeks. I'm hoping in the next 30 or 40 minutes, she can take us through the whole thing. So, uh, Kate DeLeo, I'm super excited to have you here. Welcome to the Unstoppable CEO. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So um, give everybody a little bit of background. How did you become a chief brand architect and otherwise smart person? Okay, well, so first off, um, and I tell this to everybody, I kind of call myself this, I'm an accidental brand strategist. You know, I'm 35 years old, Steve. I'm an older millennial. I graduated when the market crashed back in 2007 is when I graduated. Now, context-wise, my journey to being where I'm at today has been very much a zigzag. It has not been this perfectly straight line. And I think many of us that are in this age range of 35 to 40 have kind of felt that actually. Um, What happened was, is I was going to be pursuing a PhD in cultural anthropology of all things. So I was passionate about ethnography and storytelling, but from a very different perspective. I wanted to teach in academia. That's what I wanted to do. And when the market crashed, I had a professor look at me and he's just like, Kate, I think you need to get out because we don't know where this field is going to be in the next 10 years. I'm just going to recommend that you go get a job. And so, you know, I was like, okay, I'll take that advice. I appreciate it. Of course, my parents were like, oh my God, you know? So I left <laughs> I left academia and um, kind of fiddled around for your choice, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. But I finally landed my first real sales job. And this was the impetus of how I got to where I am today. So I took a sales job of all things, cold calling IT professionals to sell them training, which, you know, when you're 24, 25, that's not smart because not only do IT people hate to be called or be on the phone, but they hate to be sold to. But I thought it was a great idea. So here I am, I'm the new kid. They put me in charge of this $1.2 million a year pipeline selling $2,500 classes. And I was killing it. I was doing really well. And there was like 90 days in, you know, the head of sales and marketing came over to my desk and they're like, you know, Kate, like, you're new, you're the young one. How We're just curious, you know, what you've been doing and how it's been working. And I was such a problem child. I looked at them and I'm going, oh, I'm so sorry. I threw out all your sales scripts and I totally unsubscribed everybody from all of your drip marketing campaigns. And they're like, you know, offended. And they're like, what are you talking about? And they're like, well, what are you doing? Because your numbers are amazing. I said, well, honestly, I just say three very simple things. All I do, whether it's an email or a phone call is I just say, hey, my name's Kate. This is what I do. This is how I solve your problem. And this is how I'm different. And then I wait. Those three things. And they 
always responded. They'd either tell me no thanks or they'd go, yes, super interesting. Can we find a time to chat? It worked. And that was the light bulb moment where I realized that what I was delivering was not some fancy marketing spiel. It wasn't some crazy complex sales script that we thought we were supposed to do. It was a really simple and provocative brand pitch. So I ended up staying there for a while doing well, but very shortly thereafter got recruited out to work at a marketing agency. And so I worked in the agency setting, building brands, running projects. And then from there, one of my clients recruited me out to come on in and do internal brand development, digital marketing for them before I finally left two years ago to make this my official business. Now, that entire journey, Steve, of over 10 years has been over 10 years of me being a side hustler, building brands on the side. And it wasn't until two years ago that I was like, okay, time to grow up here and make this the official hustle. So now fast forward to 2021, um, I've been doing this over 20, you know, 10 years and I've built over 250 brands. That's awesome. You know, as I'm listening to you talk about your, your cold calling experience, the thing that jumps out at me is that you're making offers in there. You know, sometimes we overcomplicate this whole thing. And, you know, if you talk to enough people and you make them an offer, you're going to find people that will take you up on the offer. And, uh, you know, then, so yes, can we do lots of other fancy things? Certainly. Should we do them? Probably. But at the, you know, at the very base level, you need to be making offers on a consistent and regular basis. So I love that. Thank you. And I think it stems from this belief, you know, when it comes to branding, I think oftentimes as business owners or as marketers or sales professionals, we can think of this word brand as fluff. And it's true, right? We just, we hear the word, we're like, (laughs) you know, strategy. But the thing is, is that my belief again, is that brand is the path of least resistance to revenue. It is the thing that brand pitch gets that prospect to the table so you can give your sales pitch. Because again, if in 15 seconds, whether it's in a conversation, in an email, when they hit your website, you tell them, this is what I do. This is how I can solve your problem. And this is how I'm different. That's the stuff, right? That's going to provoke that person to go, oh, now that's interesting. I want to have a conversation with you. And that's really what my whole approach is about, is helping free up business leaders and entrepreneurs to deliver a brand pitch that actually enables them to win more work. So you haven't mentioned at all my logo or the colors or the you know pretty pictures on the website. I thought that was all branding. Okay, so I love how you just served that one up. Thank you. Um, okay, so here's the truth. In the world of branding, yes, logo, colors, photography are all critical components of visual brand. And I would never tell you that they're not important. I think that they are important. However, that's just not my area. In fact, I'm totally candid about the fact that I'm like artistically challenged. Like if you ask me for a logo, I give you a stick figure. So I always say, know thyself and stay in your lane a little bit. And so, yeah, when clients come to me and they're like, hey, you know, we're doing a brand refresh or we're doing a full rebrand or we're looking to kind of update things. Certainly, they may decide that they need to look at their visual component, but that's often a byproduct of getting their message down, really making sure that they're tightening up and understanding who exactly are we going after, why, what deep heart pain are we even solving for for them, and how can we articulate that we want to help them? If we can get that down, then the visual becomes so much easier. Then it really reflects who they are authentically and how they're helping. So, so really it's, 
as you kind of define brand, it's kind of let's get that message first and then all of the rest of it can flow from there. And I think most people approach it the other way. They think that it's all this shallow stuff. It's, oh, it's the pretty logo. You know, that's our problem with sales. We need to redesign. And and it sounds like you take you kind of take it from the other end of things, which I can really appreciate because I always believe that words sell far, far more effectively than pictures. Pictures are important, but words do the selling. And that's really where you're starting from. That's exactly right. I think it's it's a I think it was that sales training that really taught me that when it comes to brand, brand is all about sales. It's not about looking pretty. It's not about trying to look your best, like, oh, look at how flashy I am. Not at all. Brand is about one thing and one thing only, provocation. Your job with a winning brand message is to provoke the other party through each layer, each sentence of your brand message to want to know more. You know, I always say this, people say, okay, it's about storytelling, Kate. And I'm like, you know, storytelling is great, but storytelling is a one-way conversation. You know, great brands do not shout at you like a megaphone. Great brands provoke the other person to want to ask the question. Really? What do you mean by that? Interesting. Tell me more. Can you clarify? How would that work for me? What does that look like? That's a strong brand message. And so while it's great to say that we want to do storytelling, that we want to put our best foot forward and look beautiful, at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, what part is that going to play in provoking the prospect to want to come to the table and actually have a conversation? Yeah, it's almost like the story can can go out and get the attention that you need. But if it's not making them ask the questions, you're not really getting anywhere. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you haven't hit on their heart pain. You haven't hit on, really, how could you do that to solve my pain? Hmm. And that's what you ultimately want. Because every entrepreneur I talk with, it's so funny. Every Every time, they're like, Kate, and I, by the way, I work with smaller businesses. Typically, I work with smaller businesses, some midsize, um, a lot of startups even. And every single time they go, is there a way for me to do this and sell without being a salesperson? And I die laughing. I'm like, there is, you know, like it's called a brand pitch. Because what I know to be true is 99.9% of the people I work with, once you get into the table, then the magic happens, right? You have this amazing conversation. Your, your ability to close is so much easier. But there seems to be a gap for most business owners of how in the world do I get into the table? And that no amount of imagery is going to solve that. No amount of random advertising is going to sell that. You could be spending $20,000 a month on ads, but if your message sucks, they're not going to convert. Yeah, you've got to have something that that grabs their attention enough and gets them curious enough. I love the way you frame that and you know forces them to ask questions because to me, that when you've got a prospect that's asking questions, they're curious. There's something that's piqued their interest. And now you have their attention. And not only do you have their attention, but you have it in a way that where you've kind of captivated it, the, the attention. You've, I don't want to say captured it, maybe that's not the right word, but you know, you've captivated them. And instead of you kind of browbeating them, to say, hey, give me attention, give me attention, give me attention. You've you've put something out there and and, and they've gone, oh, wait, wait, tell me, a, tell me a little bit more. Tell me a little bit more. And now they're sort of leaning in and coming to you. Um, and that's, that's how you sell without selling, right? That's exactly right. That's the power of real sales actually is where you really see the secret sauce happen um, is, you know, that provocation is it's actually drawing them through a specific way that you write the language, and I can unpack that of what I teach, but 
um, to actually provoke the buyer to a point where they ask this question. So how does that work or what does that look like? You are hanging your hat on the hope that your brand message gets into the how what question. Because the how what question means they're ready to understand the sticky stuff of how you package and deliver that value. AKA they want to click to go to your service or product page. AKA they want to do a demo with you and they want to set up a meeting. They're ready now to understand the nitty gritty because now they want to understand how's that going to work for me. And that's very different. Very often we're trying to lead with that information of our product and service. But here's the thing. They don't care yet. If you come out the door swinging with all of your features and benefits, it's like, it's a content overwhelm. You ever felt like that being on the recipient side of just like, uh, whoa, like you're hitting me with way too much information here. Hold on a second. Like, can you answer a couple basics before I know if I even want to know the details? We can't do that to our prospect either. We've got to give them three big things up front before they even care about wanting to know that layer of granularity. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's, un let's unpack it a little bit. I'd love to give people some practical advice as they're thinking about their own company, how they can kind of walk down this path a little bit. Sure. So at a whole structure, when you think about brand, I think very much often, most of us are very familiar with concepts of like mission and vision statement, right? So I think we understand that they're critical pieces for any organization. Now, traditionally speaking, your mission and vision are internal focus statements. So they, they're the guideposts that are supposed to drive your organization forward, okay? Now, many companies put these out and they publish them on their website. Great, good. I always tell my clients, if you have room and it makes sense to put it out there, that's amazing because people want to know who you are and what you're about. But those are not the statements that are going to provoke a prospect to want to sit down with you. There's three big pieces that every brand needs to have in a very specific order. And they should be present on your homepage of your website. They should be the exact structure of your elevator pitch. And they should be present in the exact same order in one pagers, slide decks, everything. Those three things are your tagline, your value proposition statement, and your differentiator statements. Okay, so we all know what a tagline is. But your tagline, like a really good tagline is supposed to say, this is what I do. And it's supposed to provoke them to go, what do you mean by that? So I'll give you an example for my brand. And um, this happens every single time when I have a conversation. Someone goes, you ever had this, you walk into a networking setting and they go, ah, oh, Kate, what do you do? Nice to meet you. What do you do? And I say, great to meet you. Yeah. Um, oh, I build brands that win more work. It's my tagline. Like if you go to my website, first sentence, right? Big bold. And the reaction that I get, if you've ever told somebody what you do and you get this kind of reaction of, really, like, what do you mean by that? Good. You've got them. You've provoked them. Like their gears are turning. Well, what do you mean by that? Oh, well, I'm a brand strategist. And really what I do is help you build this compelling and common ground with your target audiences so that they buy from you versus the competition. Value proposition statement. Here's how I can solve your problem get people to buy from you versus the competition. So I hit my tagline. It provokes them to want to read down to the next sentence or hear the next sentence, which is my value proposition statement. And now I've got to provoke them into the third and most important piece, differentiators. Now, this is a point in the process where most of us would think on our website and in the conversation, if Steve's on the recipient end, that Steve's ready to know about all of my package offerings. 
However, that is totally incorrect because what did I just do to you? I just gave you two pieces of information and your brain is trying to make sense out of these, right? Like he's probably sitting there going, who is this chick? She is telling me she builds brands that win work. She's telling, whoa, whoa, whoa. So here's, this is buyer psychology. What the brain does, and you've probably done this yourself, is it's going to make a comparison. It's going to take that new information and try and fit it into something that it knows. So the response that you get is, okay, so are you like a, are you like a graphic designer or like, you know, an agency or a social media person? I'm like, oh, such a great question, Steve. Similar. I'm a little different. And here's how. Number one, I just focus on branding. Number two, and I hit my big bullets of how I'm different. And then you get this. Oh, I got it. So how does that work? And what does it look like? Oh, well, I deliver this package and it's like in three to four weeks. And here's my approach. Now they're ready. Now they want the beaten potatoes. But until you can tell them what I do with your tagline, here's how I solve your problem with a value proposition statement. And here's how I'm different than the competition. They don't care. They're not ready. So that's the brand trifecta. And it's provoking them very quickly, 15, 20 seconds in a conversation to a point of readiness where they want to ask that how, what question. Does that, does that make sense? Totally. And I, I'm listening to you go through that. You get to the differentiators. And I, I know that's where most people likely get stuck in this process because you know, you're you're in a business, you're in an industry, and you you've probably grown up in the industry doing things the way the industry does it, and so it's always hard for people, I think, to see how they're different. But it, yeah. as I'm listening to you, it almost doesn't matter what you put there. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, it is important, but how do I say this? I think it's more important for the owner or the leader of the organization to really understand what makes them unique. In fact, one of the things that happens when I work with clients is, you know, your, your prospect does care because they are trying to sort out in their brain. Are you like everything else? I think I know, or aren't you like this other big agency, Kate? Like, why should I talk to you versus whatever? And so you do want to tell them high level how you're different. But <clears throat> the reality is, is that most owners actually struggle to come up with differentiators. They struggle to get their head around that. The first thing that we're taught are features and benefits. I, I've talked to anybody. You could rattle off, Steve, every feature and benefit of any program that you offer, right? You do this, and here's the benefit. You do this, and here's the value. But to ask you high level how you are better than the rest, all of a sudden you go, you know, like it's a pause point. So creating those differentiators, it is important for your audience, but it's equally, if not more important for you as the owner you as the business leader. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I just, I, I've observed people just struggling with it. I mean, to be honest, I struggle with it myself and I do this for a living, you know, and I think sometimes it's just hard to do that on yourself. It is very hard. I mean, I'm a, Hey, listen, I'm a brand strategist and guess what? I get coached. I've had to go to other experts. I've had to go do my research. I've studied Donald Miller's story brands and Marie Forleo and some of the most amazing internationally renowned brand experts, right? And in the course of my journey for the last 10 years, what did I do? I had to go look at what they were doing. I had to go and research. I had to go and learn from other experts and then figure out how can I take that and distill that and create it as my own and boil that down. I've worked with coaches directly. Sometimes you need another voice to go. Remember, there was a point about five years ago, actually. And you ever ask somebody like, what am I really good at? Like I asked, I literally asked that. I called my coach and I'm like, I know this is going to sound weird, 
but what the heck is my superpower? Or like, what am I good at? And she's just died laughing. She's like, how do you not know that? And I'm like, I'm too close to it. I almost feel like we take for granted our greatness. And sometimes you need somebody outside of you to go, obviously, Kate, this is what you're amazing at. Obviously, Steve, this is your onlyness. This is your superpower. Yeah, you know, it's funny because, you know, we, we'll stand in front of the mirror and, and uh, see how we look physically and get a pretty clear picture of that, right? Right. But when you look in the mirror, you don't get to see what am I good at? Where are my strengths? Where should I focus? It, it really takes somebody who's observed you and worked with you to be able to hold that up. And I think that's true for, for each of us individually. I think it is also true for businesses. I think it is Absolutely. incredibly difficult from inside the business to be able to, to really see the thing that makes you different. And everybody has, um, you know, I've worked with just dozens of companies over the years that, you know, when the owner is sitting there just pulling their hair out, trying to, to think through this, and I can see it in an instant because yep. I just have a different perspective. It's not that I'm necessarily yep. smarter, I'm just standing exactly. in a different spot. That's exactly right. You know, and it's funny because um, somebody asked, well, how do you Kate, do your branding? Is it like an agency where they come on in, do like a two hour intake, they go away. And then eight weeks later and $30,000 later, they're like, here's your brand. And then you're like, this is crap. You know, like that's a typical agency model and it's terrible. I was like, no, because the thing is, is that when I work with clients, I tell them you already have it up here. The problem is, is you're too close to it. The problem is you're probably saying it 35 ways and you're trying to figure out what's working when I throw the spaghetti at the wall and what's not working and how do I put these things in the right order and maybe what do I lead with Kate and what's maybe further on down the conversation. That's my job, kind of like your job, right? Is to facilitate that and help them gain clarity and sort through that mess a little bit so they understand. I mean, I come in as fresh eyes and I'll ask the same questions every single time to every single client. They know how they're different. They deep down do know it. But what's interesting is in the process of going through brand, it requires the courage to overcome a lot of doubt as a business owner and a business leader. It requires the audacity to move beyond imposter syndrome and to actually say, I am really good at this. I am an expert at this. And I've never done a brand where I have not had serious conversations where people cry at me, scream at me, because they're dealing with the fact that this requires a level of confidence that feels very uncomfortable at some point. Because if you're going to put a message out there, you better own the message. That's scary. Yeah. And to your point, it takes a ton of confidence to do it. And, and, and most people will question and doubt unless they've got that sort of outside uh, little, you know, insight that, that somebody can give them. So yeah. how do you, when you're working with a business, how do you sort of take them through a process to, to end up with the answer? And, and uh, does it take a, a long time? I mean, I, we um, talked about the typical age, agency process. They'll go away for months and, you know, six oh, months yeah. they'll come back. Nobody has time for that. <laughs> no. Um, no. So, so my process is very, very fast on average, three to four weeks, some clients it's six weeks, depending on if we have to go a bit deeper on certain parts of their brand messaging. But the baseline of what I do for every single client is this, is we schedule at least like six separate hour and a half Zoom calls. So these are workshops. And all I ask them to do is come in the room. I ask, please come caffeinated and hydrated, okay? And um, be ready to talk at me. What I did was, I because I hated the way that the typical agency model worked, 
I decided to kind of debunk that and instead build a process that was very systematic every single time. And so I wrote a 30-page brand playbook. And I thought, you know what? seems to me that every single time I ask the exact same questions and talk through the exact same outcomes, the client wins. Hmm. So I decided to build the process. And I was like, forget this nonsense. The process will free me up to do the creative work and free the client up to do the creative work. So what do I do? So session one, it's like an intake day. It's all about them. We're like going into things like, tell me your why and your purpose. What problem are you trying to solve? Your business goals. We talk about core brand attributes. We talk about things like your brand personality traits. If your brand were a person, how would you describe him or her or them? We get at things that talk about authentically who are you, what's your culture, what's your personality. I need to know, okay, Bob, if you're a blue pen, we can't go right in a pink pen. Who are you? And so it's fun. It's all about them. Session two, we flip it completely and it's all about their top target audiences. So most of us can say, well, I go for mid-level manufacturers. I'm like, that's great. We're going to unpack that. Um, we build a list of 10 to 20 separate criteria. So building out the persona. So they may say, um, it's a 35 to 45 year old male, Kate, that's an entrepreneur and he works in the technology and we flesh it out. But we also push a little further on that description to ask questions like, if you were to walk into a room, Steve, of a hundred CEOs of a hundred mid-level manufacturing companies, how do you know the 10 whose business cards you need to get? What symptoms should you be listening for? What pain are you listening for and sniffing for? You've got to think of yourself when you're building personas like you're a doctor. So things like he's extreme, experiencing extreme change in his company. He's fed up with this. We start listing these other pieces that enable the client to go, oh my God, this is going to help me spot them. Like not just a good client, but a perfect client. Because here's the thing. When you build your brand, it's not to go for everybody. Technically speaking, everybody needs what you offer, but your job is to build a brand for the people who really need you. And that's maybe only going to be like 60 to 70%. So you've got to niche in and then go one layer deeper and actually ask yourself this question. At the end of the day, what is the bottom line need of my client? And do some root cause analysis. So we talk all about them. We figure out what the heck we're really solving for. What's their deep pain? And then we write. And that's where we're going to write mission and vision statement together collaboratively. We write tagline, value prop, differentiators, social media bios, elevator pitches, all of that. And then I train them. Here's how you deploy that. Here's how what goes where on your homepage of your website, your about page. Here's how you update your one page sales sheets, pitch decks, all of that. So that's what I do. And in that whole process in three to four weeks, they've come out the other end going from questioning and confusion and a little bit of like, imposter syndrome to being very excited because it's a message that's not only authentic to who they are that they're really excited about, but that's really, really going to resonate with their audience and provoke. That's awesome. And I, I love that you have a process. I, I always feel like you can tell the, the real experts because they have a process. They've done it enough times to break something down into repeatable steps. So, uh, you know, and that's one of the things that always, I remember in my first business before I, I you know, started consulting with companies on their marketing. Uh, I owned an engineering consulting firm and I would go and hire, you know, folks that would do marketing or branding or graphic design or whatever. And you'd go and meet with them. And at one point we interviewed all of these different, different uh, firms, these agencies. And there was this creativity that was going to happen 
but they couldn't really describe how it was going to happen. It was just right. sort of like, write us a check and then poof, some magic creativity will happen. happen. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no. And it was a disaster. And so that's one of the things I always look for is, you know, if somebody's got a process, it means they've thought this through and they've got a methodology that that they've been able to repeat. It's scientific. It's not chance. Yeah. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. And I think you're hitting on something interesting too. For most of us as entrepreneurs, we struggle with that of how to build a process that works. And then how do we package and price it? We really struggle with that. I mean, that's part and parcel of what I dig into with clients is they're like, how do I price this? I'm charging monthly and nobody wants to buy monthly. I'm like, well, why are you charging monthly? Why can't we look at this a little differently? What if you did fixed project pricing? Like what, you know, you start to see like, wait, what? I can do this differently. I could package my value in a different way. Absolutely. But these are questions that we take for granted. We struggle on the pricing and the packaging piece. We struggle on the process piece. Yeah, very much so. So there are business owners sitting here listening to us today and they're going, okay, this is great. I, I get it. I need probably to refine my, my brand. And I don't have that kind of pitch like Kate's talking about, you know, that's great. So let's say somebody listening to this calls you up, they go through this process three or four weeks down the road and they've got it done. What, what kind of results do you see from your clients? What's the transformation look like? I love this question because everyone said, how could you possibly, possibly put metrics to brand? I'm like, oh, <laughs> watch me. There's two, there's two metrics, you guys. Whether you do this exercise on your own, whether you hire an agency, I don't care how you do it. If you decide I've got to work on my message, there's two things you've got to look for, okay? If you have a message that's really on point, and by the way, I'm going to tell you this, this should not be a fear that you're doing something wrong. Chances are what's going on is you're doing something right, but it's like more doing a quarter turn of your message and tightening that bolt versus you having to fully replace who you are. You don't replace who you are when you're doing branding. You're, you're really fine tuning and that's important to know. But however you decide to go about it, the two key metrics that you want to look at are number of prospects coming to the table and sales cycle time. So if your message is on point, you're out networking, you've got it on your website, you're going to literally see an increase in conversions. So I have a lot of B2B service companies that talk to me and they're like, man, I have more people now asking at the end of the networking calls, like, can we connect, can we chat, like, than I've ever had before. And the quality key of the call is so much better because they're no longer, you know, like, just asking me, oh, what do you do? But they want to talk about a specific problem for them. Like, that means your brand pitch worked. They understood what you're doing, how you solve their problem, how you're different. And now they're like, oh, I'm dealing with that. Can we chat about that? So you get an increase in qualified prospects at the table, which leads to your second key indicator that the brand is working. And that's your sales cycle time. Because if you are seeing that you're getting more prospects to the table and there are more qualified prospects, here's what happens. If your brand message is right when you're delivering it verbally, between that first interaction and when you guys hold your meeting, let's say, you know these people are going to go stalk you on your website, right? You know that they're going to go check you out on LinkedIn. If they still hold that call, what are the chances that they're no longer ready to just ask the first initial question of telling you what you do, Kate, but they're not like, okay, I've got this serious problem. They're further down the conversation pathway, which means instead of them having to go through three or four conversations to build trust with you and to even give a proposal, they want the proposal every single time. Or they say, 
I got to get my CFO on this. Can we, can we talk in a week? Can, we, can I pull him in? Absolutely. So you see a decrease in sales cycle. And that's a critical component for any small business owner is they've got to see that shrink. Well, it, what you're really doing is you're giving that prospect clarity, like right away mm -hmm. about what you do. Yeah. And, and I think this is where a lot of people get, get trapped with, with prospecting and with sales is that because their message is fuzzy and the prospects don't really understand it, then you've got this long drawn out process where you're trying to convince them that you've got something that they need and they're not convinced and you're communicate every time you communicate with them, you know, if you, we talk about networking. So if you're in that networking process, right. And you've met with this person again and again and again, and they're just not getting it, even though, you know, you can help them. Most of the time, that's going to be a symptom of the fact that your message is muddy. And the more you, Right. The more you keep repeating a muddy message, the less likely they're going to want to come and meet with you again, you know? Right. And it doesn't matter how sophisticated your sales funnel is. And this is funny because everyone's like, do you have a sales funnel? I'm like, I don't do any marketing. How terrible is that? Right? No, but that's who I am. That's just how I've run, built my business. Here's the thing, whether you do email marketing or build a sales funnel or not, honestly, my firm belief is this. I really don't think anybody wants to be a part of a sales funnel, especially when it's muddied waters and it's a really confusing message. I think what everybody actually wants, especially in the churn and burn of the marketing era that we're in, in digital marketing, what everybody actually wants is a seat at the table. And so you've got to be willing to provoke and invite that person to the table with a very clear message. Invite them to actually want to talk about their pain. Don't just, don't just make it all about you. In a sense that, yes, they want to know what you do and how you can solve their problem. But what they really want to know is, do you care enough about my pain? And if you think you can help me solve my pain, I would love to talk with you. I really, man, that would mean a lot. So it's being a problem solver, which I think at the end of the day, every entrepreneur wants to be, right? We, we have to be crazy to start a business unless we think we can change the world. And so I think it's about going back to that root of be the problem solver that you are, be the change maker that you are clarify the message in a way that's inviting them to have that kind of a dialogue with you. That's it. I love it. Well, Kate, we could go on and we I could know. go on and we could go on and we could go on. Um, and I would, I would very much enjoy that because I'm, yeah. I'm learning a lot and I love talking about these things, but um, I want to make sure that we give everybody an opportunity to go find you online. So where can they find out more about what you do? And um, do you have any resources that, that they can go check out? You know what? The easiest thing that you can do is certainly find me on LinkedIn, Kate DeLeo, and I'll spell that last name for you. D-I-L-E-O, Kate DeLeo. You can also check out my website, which is ennoble.com. I'll spell that for you. E-N-N-O-B-B-L-E.com. So E-N-N-O-B-B-L-E.com. And you can email me. Please feel free to email me, kate at anoble.com. And I would love to hear from you. And if you've got questions about your brand, my invitation to you is I'm happy to get on a 30-minute call and just honestly, like, hopefully point you in the right direction. Uh, that's my give. I love giving a give to people and hopefully getting people feeling like they're set up for success. So no sales pitch on that. It's really just more of like a give back. If you'd love to do a free 30-minute brand consult, please get a hold of me. And yeah, no sales pitch, but I bet they'll hear your brand message. They will. <laughs> and then it's up to them. That's right. <laughs> yep. I love it. Yeah. Well, folks, take advantage of that. And um, 
that's very generous, Kate. Thank you for for sharing yeah. some of your time uh, with the audience. And uh, folks, we'll link all of that up in case you didn't catch it. Uh, you can go find this episode on unstoppableceo.net or it'll be in the show notes um, in your podcast player. So you can look there um, if you're listening on the go and then you can uh, connect with Kate. Kate DeLeo, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Steve, thank you so much. I'm honored and it's a privilege to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Unstoppable CEO Podcast. Help others discover this show. Leave a review and rating on iTunes at unstoppableceo.net forward slash iTunes.